Good morning. We left off in Divrei Ayamim. We're trying to complete the overview of the angle in Divrei Ayamim on Chizkiyah Melech, which is, angle is not a great word. It's mashlim, much of the information we need just to understand how quickly, how efficiently, and how desperately needed the program was over here. He's trying to get all of Klai Yisrael, most of Klai Yisrael, whoever's willing to come for a grand Pesach. And it's not an easy sell sending people into the Osiris Shvatim. We have the political issue where they sort of understand deep down that if they come, they're admitting they were wrong all these decades plus. And the fact they didn't come was a rejection of Malchus Beis David and Yushalayim. And now, if they show up, sort of as a kasha on everything they were not doing. And number two, the depression that was going on in the area there says Ashvatim, some had gone into Gullis, others were waiting for. Sanchev to just come and take them. They knew it was coming. That was the last Rashi we saw. And there was a general feeling that it was all over anyway, so what difference does it make? In that backdrop, Chizkiyahu is going completely against the tide, certainly in Osiris Shvatim, even among his own people. And here we have a situation where he's galvanizing Yehuda, Binyamin, Leviim, primarily Leviim and Kainim, to clean up the base of Mikdash, open up again, and start with a carbon Pesach, very significant. You can start with any carbon, any day, any carbon shaltamid, any yantav, but Pesach is Pesach. That was the beginning of the, uh, I guess he called the, the Avoida in, the, in Tzrayim was without a base of Mikdash, without any official Avoida, and they were at a point where they also almost had Yish, and the Baruch who uh, brought a very sudden gula. So the carbon Pesach itself is very significant in that way, and this is reminiscent of that. We're up to Perik Lamid Pasig Yud. Chizkiel sends out the message to the Aser Sashvatim. You haratzim ivri meir leir be'eretz Ephraim u'menasheh ve'adzvulun. So they're going village to village, city to city, trying to implore the people to join them. And we mentioned last week that he had letters, especially to Ephraim and Menasheh, that there's no political coup intended and not interested in having the people come because it's his malchus, they just wanted to come because it's Yushalayim. For the most part, unfortunately, the message doesn't resonate because the people want to mock the messengers and the message because the alternative is too painful. You would say, well... You don't want to take the message, so serve them coffee and kokosh cake and some schmaltz herring and let them go. What do you got to make fun of them for? Well, again, the human condition is that if you're power on the issue, you're sort of admitting you were wrong all these years. If you're positive, it's even more painful. And if you're very negative, you can convince, try to convince yourself that these people are completely not with the program, the messengers, and they don't know what they're talking about, and therefore I'm still right. Ah, it's on the eve of another gullus, and the whole place is falling apart. I'll deal with that tomorrow. And we uh, all do this in life. Rather than give in and admit we're wrong, 
and cut our losses, we'd rather push another day, another week, another month, even though it makes no sense because we're Hasashalm extending the losses and we've got to face the music anyway. But why bother? This is a human condition. So unfortunately, most of it was met maschikim, maligim. What does that mean? They were, uh, they were making fun of them. They were being vocal about their opposition. What are you guys doing here? I think it's a mazel. They didn't kill them. I think it's a mazel. They didn't stone them. That's been done before. That already speaks somewhat uh, to the uh, pintaliyid over here. Yes, yes. I, I admire the shluchim. I don't know how many of us would have signed up for this job. Imagine you want to go. Chizkiel is recruiting good men. What's the job description? Nothing. Just go to the SS Shvatim and deliver what's going to no doubt be a very popular message. Just tell them we want you to come back after all these years and we're going to forget about everything and just join us. They have to know this is going to be an extremely unpopular message at best. You have to be very L'shem Shamayim to know that whoever you get is going to be a victory and you're saving the Shamas. And uh, this is Kirov in a very, very dangerous and unpopular college campus. Let's put it that way. And uh, whoever goes here, I think, is a hero. We don't have any names, but they went. Which I think is... Uh, what? That's King's <laughs> yes, you know, you always remind us of the old country. Yes, you uh, do as you're told, but uh, you're assuming he didn't ask for volunteers, or like in the army. Volunteers, you, 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 and you. Okay. Uh, that's a malchasis, and we, in the good old days. Well, this is malchas at its best, because you have a king who's a tzaddik, and he's getting things done. Yes, that uh, speaks well of uh, monarchy, and this is what monarchy is supposed to be accomplishing. Uh, with that said, they're still good people. So you're just pointing out that if we want uh, 10 good volunteers to fight in the front lines of a battle, you, 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 and you, they didn't think twice either, which is true. The army doesn't, uh, there's no discussion. You want to go, and they say, no, bikavot, I'll let you go first. Uh, there's no discussion. Okay. Still, it was a tough job. And I think it speaks well of the people, the Yidin and the Aser Seshvatim, who didn't stone them because they weren't in the mood for the most part. And some of them laughed, some of them, I suppose, were silent, and some of them will come, as we're going to see in the next Pesach. Yed Aleph. There were Yechidim, probably even more because there were Yechidim from Ephraim and Menashe, who came, and interestingly enough, Menashe mentioned in Pesach Yud and Yed Aleph. Menashe is mentioned among those who fought, who laughed, who were maligim, and there were some from these same areas who cooperated. What, yeah, no, what I find interesting is the shevet that's uh, left out. Look, look back at Yud. And then, Not surprisingly, the shevet that gave them the roughest time was Ephraim. Of course, Ephraim is the one that had the leadership position. They're the ones who created the alternative Malchus. They're the ones who put up the Bati of Arzara. They're the ones who led this whole rebellion. So of course, they're going to be the last people to give in. Pazigid Beis. Gambi Yehuda, Yara Lakim, Yehuda, obviously, they were cooperating 
with Moor's Rizus. Not everybody, but it says Gambi Yuda. But they were cooperating. Lasas Mitzvah Samela, Vasarim Midvar Hashem. Yud Gimel, Vayasu Yishalayim Amrav Lasas Eschak Hamatzis Bachedish Hasheni Kahol Laroiv Ma'id. There's a huge tumult in the Achreinim, there's a Machaikis in the Gemara, what was going on, there's a Shaila and the Bishainim, how we paskin. There are Rambams on this, and they say, Kalim, what exactly they did wrong? We'll discuss some of it, and when did they end up doing this, and was it a mistake, and which part was a mistake? But here you have a Remez already, Bechedish Hasheni. Chagamatsus Bechedish Hasheni. So we have a concept of Pesach Sheni. Okay. Shaila is, that seems to be pretty glut. If you had people who were Tame Bechedishrishin, if you had Rovi the people Tame in Chedishrishin, you should have done it in Chedishrishin, but Tumahutra Betzibra. So, was that the mistake? If it was, was it the only mistake? Uh, the Gemara discusses this that the Mishnah, the Gemara, Chizkiyo made a mistake. Some of the Chum agreed. Some of them were decisions, all these were decisions made under tremendous time pressure. And we're going to find out that after the dust settled, many of the Chum disagreed on some of them, but he's not held accountable because he meant well and he asked, there just wasn't enough time to vet it carefully. So here we have the first remez. It says Chayd Shashani. The question is, was that halachically legal or not? Call the Rav Maid. There's a lot of people, Baruch Hashem. Yudalad, Vayakumu, Vayasiru, Esham, Hizbachais, Hashem, Yushalayim. They completed the job of these bummers, which were certainly illegal. And they got rid of all the Mekaymas and the people that were bringing their Keteris in illegal fashion. And they ground it all up and they threw it away in the Nachal. Nichlemu means they were embarrassed. We'll see Rashi in a moment. They were embarrassed because they came ultimately but they were very caught off guard and confused on what Chizkiah wanted exactly and was he serious. Now, why would you think Chizkiah Amelech is not serious? The answer is his father was a Russian Rusha. And as I use the expression, hit the ground running, he did all this in the very early months of his Malucha and they didn't know what hit them. And when he said it, they said, that's very strange. This must be some sort of trap or some sort of setup. His father said the exact opposite. And his father closed the Beis HaMittish, was metamid the Beis HaMittish, and pushed on Avodah Zarah agenda. And all of a sudden, everything he's saying is the exact opposite. So they weren't quick to react because they didn't know was this a temporary fit of religious fervor? Or is this going to last? Should we get moving only to be told that we're being thrown out of the Beis HaMittish again? They didn't know what to do with it. Nichlamu here means they were embarrassed because they realized that this was real, and they were late to show up, because they weren't to her yet. Who was the head of the religious community? So they didn't, they were all in the same boat. The good news is, everything was in disarray, but Chizkiah was so serious and putting so much pressure that everybody realized, Nichlemu doesn't mean they came 10 years later. It means that he woke up in the morning, as soon as he became king, and said, this is happening today. And in order for that to happen, for, in order for us to get to Pesach, we have to hurry up and you got to start getting the paradum ashes, you got to become tar, and you got to clean up. And we need the Levim and the Kainim, primarily. And Kainim are usually Zrizim. You know some Kainim? They're usually the Zrizim. And uh, here they were embarrassed 
that comes from a good place. They were embarrassed that uh, this is real and this is happening, and they were slow on the uptake, which is going to be fixed, Baruch Hashem, but it's going to trigger these mistakes that are made under pressure in terms of the time they want exactly to do this. Finally, they made it. They go to their various uh, duties that they used to have before Achaz put everything away. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to, you know, Chaim used to describe, uh, this Chaim used to tell us, Chaim used to describe the, the morning when the Mashiach comes. And uh, so we expect uh, months and months and years of a warning that, uh, you know, we don't want to do truth at the last minute. However, you know, we do want some lead time to uh, be able to put our act together. And uh, he described it as he's uh, he walking to the yeshiva from the house, and all of a sudden the Rebison calls him back, and uh, something's burning. You want to know where did he put the... Uh, he started making the eggs, and then uh, Chaim was preparing a share and just walked out, and... And while this is happening, uh, all of a sudden somebody comes running up to him and uh, says, uh, Rebbe, did you hear? Did you hear what? And like, the, this is uh, on the street, the brisk in front of his house, while the Rebbe is asking, uh, where did the, uh, the milk and the eggs go for breakfast? And everything changes. Now, we, I think, uh, I think this is Pashat, the access we have to uh, emails, the advent of internet and all these things have been pretty catastrophic in the damage being done. It's quite possible that when the Mashiach walks in, he's going to do away with the whole thing in one shot. Wouldn't shock me. However, if it's still going to be around, email is at a point where if you send out one to everyone within a minute, the whole world will know about it. So something like that set up, and you'll say, well, will, will we believe him? So that's, we've had Shiram on that. You can uh, access Golas Tegula on, uh, on the website. And there's a clear discussion how there's no Sisrei Teri over here. It doesn't have to be Sisrei Teri, and we've had many false Mashiachim, and the Ramah gives a list of how to identify the Mashiach, and it's very clear. He has to do A, B, C, D, E. If he accomplishes all those things, he's the Melech Mashiach. If he doesn't, he might have been a complete charlatan. He might have been a very nice guy. He might have been a tzaddik. But we weren't ready, and he wasn't zeich, and we weren't zeich, and whatever happened, and it didn't work. But the lack of clarity on who ultimately is the Mashiach is only if you don't see the sugyas and the Ramam. So it's... Um, the Shabtai Tzvi had the distinct advantage, unfortunately, for clients, though, that he was thousands of miles away, had a great PR man. And by the time they checked it out and sent the delegation six months here and six months back... And then they realized quite clearly he wasn't the man. A lot of damage had been done. So today, to let the world know of news is not something that takes more than a minute or two, the entire world. And uh, that's probably, my guess would be, a setup for what will be. That's not a, a push or not a push or haskama to use these various media outlets now if... It's still around, and the Melech HaMashiach, as the engine decides that it's still going to be in use, which I'm not sure about. It's going to be cleaned up and only used for Kedusha. It's a way of letting everybody know. Now, Mashiach doesn't need that. Mashiach can come. Mashiach could have come in the 1700s, and without all this, and let the world know anyway. But the Ramam alludes to this fact, the Ramam that was taken out, the censored Ramam, 
where he talks about why monotheism has been spread in the form of Islam and Christianity. And Rambam says, on the one hand, it's used as a punishing rod for Klai Yisrael in our gullus condition. On the other hand, it spread monotheism to every distant island. The Arba Confess Iris. The Rambam says, the Rambam says that's a step in the right direction, that the information has been received by most of the inhabitants of planet Earth. Rambam says that's to bring the world closer to the, to the Gula, that when the Mashiach comes, you don't have to start reprogramming them from scratch. So the fact that the Yetzirah, the Sutton, can get a hold of something, a way to technology that can let the whole world know important messages instantly, and using it for many evil things is not a kasha. The Yetzirah always does that. Sutton always does that. That doesn't mean, therefore, you should be uh, jumping into it. It means that if something is here and Kosh Baruch Hu decides to use that or something else, but Hayat Hashem Tixer them anyways for Kosh Baruch Hu to let the whole world know very quickly. So, yes, your point is, will there be a scramble at the last minute? Yeah, that's correct. And there will be people who will be slow in wanting to admit that the ghoul is really here and we're going to have an Aveda and we're going to really go to Yisrael and if they come late, they're going to be embarrassed like what happens over here. The good news is, is that when they get there, they actually do it with tremendous zrizus. Let's go to Tess Zion. They do it right. Tess Zion. They do it right. They're doing it a firm way. No shortcuts once they get there. The Kayanim are doing zrika from the hands of the Levium. Now, what does that mean? So, Levium here in the room, Yossi. You might uh, be a little bit uh, hazy on exactly what your job description is. So we know there's a choice, Shireim. You can uh, keep the doors, keep the gates. You can be in the choir. What's not well known is that's not... People always talk about the two options. I've had Levim tell me, I don't have a good voice, and uh, holding the gates, I'm not exactly sure what that means. It means a lot, but there's a lot more to do. They're there, Lasharis, and the Achreinim point out, that means everything else in between. They, they could be cleaning up the base of Mikdash. We don't give that to a janitor who's not a, who's not a Levi. The Levim are doing that. They kind of do some of that. Uh, we're going to, between you and Yossi, we'll figure out exactly what the division is. Don't worry. Right here, you have a Pasuk, uh, you have Zrika. The question is, what are the Levim doing in the step before? If we know Mizrika Ve'eluch, the Kabbalah is the job of the Kayanim. What are Levim doing in the step before? Shechita is Kesheira Bazar. A regular good old Yisrael. Some of my best friends are Yisraelim. A regular, a regular Yisrael could do Shechita. It sounds like from the Pasuk over here, Levim are doing it. And the Pasuk in Yedayan explains why. Uh, you needed to be Tahar. And a lot of people were being rushed to the scene to participate. We needed dependable people who were familiar with the Avedah. And quite often, even before this, Levim were given the job to Shecht, even though you don't need a Levi to Shecht. But they used them because they knew what they were doing. And look at Yitzayin, Ki Rabbas Bakala Shalohis Kadoshu. There are many Yisraelim who didn't finish their Tahira process. Levim were there primarily helping out with the Shechita besides their other jobs. Lachol loy. Take a look at page eight, actually nine. I'll go back to the Rashi in a minute. Chaloy tahar lahakdish l'Hashem. So they were now, in general, 
to her and the people that were coming were not, and therefore they gave them the shechita. So in this Pasuk, I'm pointing out the Yukim as we go along because that's why there's a Mavuch in the Achreinim. What exactly was going on with the tomb of the Tyra? Sounds like from here that most of the people were Tameh and therefore they had to give the job even shechita to the Levim. So then why didn't they use tomb of Why did they have to do a Bechesh Hashani? Uh, many will answer that they did a Bechesh Hashani because they just couldn't figure all this out by Chedesh and they had no choice due to the time pressure. Go back to page 8 for a moment. I want to show you the Rashi. Rashi is in Pasik Tezvav. They were embarrassed. They were late in becoming tar. So what took so long? The answer is they didn't move quickly because they were so confused. They couldn't believe that Chizkiah really wanted to clean this up. That's Chizkiah's father. Mikahen, Achaz, threw them out. And all of a sudden, the son takes over, and right away he's inviting them back. Keyword. Right away, it's like there's no process here of tshuva. He starts his malucha, and right away he's reversing everything. Sends out the message. No more Vodazar, one God and one God only. And all of a sudden he needs us. And the rest of the people in the area weren't much quicker because they were also thrown out of the Avedah and convinced not to do it and to do a Vodazar. And then when they had time to examine Chizkiyo and his new program, they understood, Then they came, but it was late. So Rashi sort of defending, they were embarrassed because they were really good people. And they said, had we known that, had we known this is real, it would have come last week. Uh, they couldn't believe it. That you need a kind of Why did the Israelim do it? The Bailam of the Karb Pesach. As the Pasuk explains, And they appointed the Levim who were closer to the action. They were late, but they were not as late as the people who were coming from the other areas of Yehuda, and certainly those who were coming from the Asaris Ashvatim. Go back to the Pasuk. Yud Ches. On page nine, Kimarbis Ahm Rabbis Mayafrayim Manashi Yisachas Vulan Lahitaru. People coming from the Sesa Shratim certainly weren't Tarki Achlas Apesach Beloi Kachasuv. This is the next rem is something went wrong. Beloi Kachasuv means they did something. There was a detail of it, an important detail or two that in the rush didn't come out correctly, and then Kiyaspalo Yechizkiyo Aleim Leimer Hashem Atayv Yechaper Baad. This Pasuk can be quoted out of context and understood incorrectly. We, in this uh, religion, the only correct religion, you can't make things up as you go along. You can't just do things and say, Hashem will understand. That's what the Pasuk sounds like. That They did it below Kakasav, and then Yechizkiyo Davin, that Hashem Atav Yechaper Ba'ad, since Chizkiah Melech was a tzaddik and he did actually try to do everything right, and because, as I explained last week, I am sure he asked the cabinet members who asked 
the Shailas to the people they asked, and then afterwards, Rebbe Lacham disagreed on some of the points, most of it he did correctly, and the points they didn't do correctly, either he's Ma'aber Adar too late, and it was already a day, it could have been this, and he was Ma'aber Adar anyway, made an Uber year, and that you can't do that on the last day of Adar, or he pushed it off and he could have used two Mahutra Betzibar and he didn't because he felt not enough people are going to come. Whatever he did, he realized there was a mistake and then he davened that Hashem should give him the Kapar and accept their Avodah anyway, which Hashem did. Hashem will accept it because of the Kedusha of the Melech and the goodwill and L'Shem Shamayim attitude of all the people. This is a tremendous, tremendous Shuvah movement in quick order. And let's just read the next two Pesukim and I'll take the Shailah. Yotes and it was done almost correctly. He davened, they did tshuva, they did the avayda, then they did tshuva for the details that were not done correctly. And he healed the people, which means, Koshbarach continued to give them tremendous siyat hashmaya, carry through with the Avaida and to accept the Avaida. This is just the tip of the iceberg of the Siyat that will be necessary. As I mentioned, we're coming up to one of the greatest Nisim in the history of mankind, the history of Klai And it's not by coincidence that it happens on Pesach. We mentioned it, Lael Seder. We will mention it next year as well. And and the Siyat they're going to have due to their Zrizas after they finally woke up and their real chuka to get the Avedah back in order will not only serve them in Olam Haba, it will save what now becomes the nucleus of Klai Yisrael by Olam Hazeh over the next uh, few weeks. Yes? While we're doing this, let's go to the uh, Peleites. We'll uh, continue this next week. Yes? Absolutely. We're going to get to that. We didn't mention yet that he was trying to make a very jarring point. And that is, this is real. We're not going to put up with the Shom anymore. And even if it's my father, we're going to make an example. Yes, yes. And Chizkiel did all this very quickly. Uh, so people, like uh, your, your question about loss of lava, uh, the good news is, Gosh never rejects even last-minute tshuva. But you've got to react quickly. And even if you're a little late, you don't say, ah, for fallen, I'm late anyway, why bother? You try to get in and you try to hold on. And Elif uh, Avdolus, nobody is trying to save their life in a physical sense will say, no, looks like I almost missed the boat or missed the helicopter. I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, why bother? So you're laughing already, right? So it was a very tragic scene, but again, I'm too young to remember this, but uh, I am told that in the great haste of the disaster of a retreat in North Vietnam, there were many soldiers who were left on the ground, and there were many helicopters making a very hasty, humiliating retreat. And I'm told, I've seen a couple, I'm told there were pictures of helicopters taking off with soldiers who were late grabbing on to the side doors, helicopters, they don't really close the doors. And some of them made it, and some of them didn't. But they didn't say, oh, they didn't tell us they were taking off at 8.05. It's 8.05 already. You know, why bother? Everybody knew quite well, if you don't jump on, and you don't hang on, you're not leaving. So for a very uh, a jarring muscle of what's going to take place, Levim and the Kainim, to their credit, 
didn't exactly know what hit them and didn't know what was going on, but they didn't say, oh, well, you know, it's very close to Pesach already. Just the cleanup, a cleaning for Pesach, who, who can, uh, let's try next year. Chizkiyo sent a clear message, we're not waiting to next year. And either you do this now or this might not happen, we can't afford to wait. And the backdrop of this is not only the Rukhni, you can never afford to wait in Rukhni, the backdrop is they knew quite well Sancheir is coming. It's a question of which day. And Chizkiyo understood, which is why he's going to put his great Hasmada Night Seder program into effect with a sword in the back. That's unusual. I mean, we're very much of Tamatari. You don't usually tell people, either you come or you're dead. The reason he did that, and the reason he was able to get away with it, is he told them, this is for your Rukhniyas. And besides the Rukhniyas, we have an army of 185,000 troops. And if we don't do something very drastic, we're not going to survive. So this is a question of physical survival as well. And he understood that if you're asking Kosh Baruch Hu for Nisim Gluyim, you've got to perform. <laughs> and that's what was going on over here. So, so in a sense, really saved the shares of from the... Yes, yes. This is, not, this is not only about a tshuva movement. This is about Klai Yisrael's falling apart. Sancheyev has every plan, and they knew it, every plan on just dismantling the rest of the Shesheshvatim and then coming to Yehuda and taking over. And that's going to happen not only uh, soon in Navi, it's going to happen soon here in months. We're going to get to this in the next couple of months. It's going to be quite frightening. So those from the Shesheshvatim who came over to Yehuda, obviously they're no longer considered part of the ten tribes. Which is why we said whether you hold they're coming back or not, whether you hold like the Ran or however you learn that Gemara, there are definitely residents who are living in Yudim and Yaman from the Assassin Shvatim, which is why we're suddenly going to have 12 Shvatim lost at Lava. And the people came just ahead of the wave. And when they got to Yushalayim, I'm sure some of them were thinking, this day it's a hard talking, what did I gain? I'm looking out the window, the 185,000 troops. I could have stayed home for that. This is not going to be simple. This is not going to be, oh, sure, everybody knows that. You're looking, you know the end of the story, they survived. That didn't look obvious when it was happening, as it never does in history. Um, you have to uh, be there to fully understand it. We're going to try to describe it as best as possible. Let's go to the Peleates in the meanwhile. <clears throat> Speaking of good news and bad news, on page I and Bays, we introduce the next entry, which was Becerra, which is the Maila of telling people good news and making their day, their week, their hour, putting them in a good mood, giving them chizik with the good news and the chesed in doing so versus the quote-unquote either iser or certainly suggestion of chazal and of shlama melech, not in that order, mishle, not to be the tighter of bad news. And a person who does that is a ksil, he's a fool. And let's begin five lines down into the paragraph in the middle of page Ayin Beis. Zanichla b'chlal mitzvahs gemilas chasadim. Kesheim shlingin stoka amru aniyecha kaidmin. Just like that stoka is an Indian of aniye ircha or whoever needs it the most. So you should be looking to make your family happy with good news, and you should be looking dafka for people who are down and out and feeling a little bit depressed in terms of their matzav, and if you can't solve the issue, at least pick them up with good news from time to time and share with them whatever you think can cheer them up. I would add, it's not just giving over good news. You'll say, how much good news can I manufacture? Let's say there's no good news. The answer is, as I've used many times here, 
suddenly examining Navi and Tanakh, there's always a silver lining. You just got to find it. So there's a way to manufacture good news. You can listen to their troubles and point out that there is a silver lining and that it's not so bad and that you didn't look at this angle and this is actually a bracha min and try to point out how to give them hope. And that's a great chesed to try to lift their spirits. He's opposed to the lazy people when they travel. And case from the Kravayim. In the olden days, people were starving for news and there was really nothing to grab onto because without modern communication, they hoped every couple of weeks some letter would get through. When you sent a letter, there was less than a guarantee that it would even get there. Who'd you send letters with when you were traveling? Before trains. So you had uh, a Yerid in Leipzig, and you saw a guy going this way and going that way. He said, oh, you're going that road. Are you getting to Slutsk anytime soon? He said, I don't know. I'm passing by a city 100 miles from there. I'll bump it to somebody and give it to him. The postal service wasn't uh, as good as it is today. And he's going to encourage strongly that there are people at home worried about you. And... Just last night, I had a call, which I don't receive infrequently, especially as the Elam over here uh, gets older, not old, and their kids start getting to the age where, believe it or not, they start asking ridiculous requests, unheard of. They start asking for, for licenses. You know, like as a driver's license? You know, you've heard of the thing. Avi, Avi you're not there yet, but you're... Uh, <laughs> Gun license we issued already. This is uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> driver's license. Uh, marriage licenses. Yeah, that they don't ask for. They sort of, like, you know, after the vart already, that's already a foregone conclusion. I'm talking about driver's license. So, you know, parents call me and they say, you know, how long do we fight this and what's the strategy and how long can we push it off and what do we bribe them with? I um, did a particular conversation last night, very good parents, and they say... Um, they're getting their license. Now the question is, what rules and regulations can I put on this license? This is a very important conversation. Now this will vary from household to household and parent to parent and child to child. I carefully asked, uh, you're not getting him a car, are you? So they almost dropped the phone. Halila, of course I'm not getting him a car. Yeshiva Bachelon and Yeshiva, the last thing they need is a car. Just a built-in Yetzirah, every time you sit down to learn, there's a car waiting outside, and you got to fight now between Tesis, Rabbi Kiveger, and Lahavdol, the car. You know, should I go out for a coffee? Should I not? Should I? A car is a built-in Yetzirah. So the car is the last thing you get. When they're 80, 85 years old, then you talk about buying them the car. Uh, that he said, no, that's not the Shai. The Shai, at least, you know, there's Benaz Manam, and there's a, we do have a car, and, you know, there's an off Shabbos, and, you know, what are the parameters? So it's interesting, I... This is last night, this conversation last night around 12 o'clock at night, and I said, there's a Pele Yates that talks about one thing you could certainly drive home, no pun intended, and that is that if you're taking it and you, A, tell me where you're going, you have a right to ask, and just let me know what time you're coming home, and if you're like an hour or two late, call me, so we don't have to stay up, and then the kids always say, why would you stay up? I'm just in Muncie, on the other side of Muncie at Mechel's, eating some shawarma, what's the problem? The answer is yes, uh, good people. Uh, the, the amount of trouble you're going to get into if you're not looking for trouble is hopefully minimum. You're just, you're out with, uh, it's a Benaz you're out with Bacharim, and you're having a piece of flanken. What could be so bad? Some chont Thursday night. Okay, so that's, that's fine. The question is, what time is it? And then they don't understand, well, why don't you just go to sleep? 
Not a fair question for kids to ask parents. It's only one in the morning. So um, if you uh, aren't going to sleep anyway, so then you don't have to push the point. If you want to, then um, don't tell them, wait till you become parents, and you'll understand staying up. They're, not, they're too young to understand that. So just tell them that the Pelayet says that if you're away, the parents like to hear from you, and if you have news of when the ETA is, uh, maybe let us know, and that's fair. Nothing wrong with asking that. But it's interesting that the parent I was speaking to, and most, uh, most parents I know so understand, they're not, uh, certainly not getting them a car. Uh, why would they get them a car? They're only, they just got a license, and there's no reason to have a car, no reason to spoil them, and they don't need a car. They're in, they're in yeshiva, and uh, they still have carpools, and they still have bus service, and uh, uh, get them a car. It's, even if he's going nowhere, the, most yeshivas, not most yeshivas, all yeshivas, they don't allow cars. They, not gonna wanna, they, they understand this also, better than the parents do. Uh, but uh, I've had the discussion with Bachar. I'm like, why can't I have a car? I'm not using it during Seder. Just to have the thing parked over there, just, you know, have car, will travel. You know, there's no, I have nowhere to go. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, it's a mamasha shah, the baltashas, the car sitting there doing nothing, all lonely. It's mamasha chesed with the car, just to use it, just to be able to uh, make it feel good. So these are things that have to be discussed, and it's a question that has to be asked. The Pelias is going to mention that wherever you're traveling, let your parents, your wife, your kids, whoever is worried about you, let them know where you are and what's going on, as he spells out. But interesting, he calls them Atzlanim. Sheilatav also Atzlanim shebenasam ladrachem and kaisvin lekraveim l'anchei beisim l'adim eshleimim. They don't bother writing letters to let them know how everything is going. The drachem then were sakanus tafashus. It was dangerous to travel. So people wanted to know how it's going in Leipzig. They're not interested in how many widgets he sold. They just want to know if you got there alive. It was a dangerous uh, proposition. Which means, you know, you shouldn't do do this to people you love. They're concerned about you and they're falling apart. And that, certainly in the Kibbutz department, and even for the wife and kids, uh, this is something that is uh, cruel and unusual punishment if they're waiting uh, to hear from you and you don't bother because you're having a good time. Every crossing, every time you had to cross a border or a bridge was dangerous then. So he says, wherever you are, take a chance to drop them a few lines. And send as many letters as you can and he alludes to the fact that the postal service is not what it is today. Write many letters. Maybe some of them will get there. That's, uh, that's the way it was. And people are waiting for news. They don't know you're traveling. They don't know what's going on. And while you're doing that, if you bump into somebody else from Ludge or from Rodden, mentioned, I bumped into Chaim Yankel. He sends regards to his parents also because he might, might not be writing as much as he should. So as much as you could do this. And today, um, most people have phone plans. It's all free. Wherever you are, yes, if you took off on a transatlantic flight, even though it's quite common, and 10 hours, you're here, you're there, maybe call your parents and say, Ma, I arrived safely, everything is okay. They say, why should I do that? She's not worried. Statistically, this is very safe. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe not. We hope yeah. But your call takes two minutes, and people are happy. And the Pelaya, uh, it says... Atzlanim, don't do this. It's laziness. There's no reason not to. It takes you a few minutes. You put down a few lines. You make the call. And for them, the Basura rise. You got there okay. Everything's going well. And it makes them happy. You lift their spirits and they don't have to worry. It's important to keep in mind. It's a sham. We'll continue next week.